0: I woke up this morning with a little bit of a horse throat Uh, you can pray that God will give enough in this voice for what he wants to communicate whether that's the whole service or just part of it but uh, I remember one time I was preaching in a in a tiny little tiny little stone chapel up in the mountains, eastern highlands of Zimbabwe, and believe me, it was cold, it was midwinter, and, <clears throat> thank you, it was midwinter, oh, I've got a signal, thank you. <laughs> no wonder you weren't hearing me. How is oh. that? Is that okay? Is that alright? Yes. Thank you. I know last last time I preached some weeks back, the sound crew said, please, this is the way you said it, and all you have to do is turn it on. When you, well, I got in here and I got into the swing and I heard nothing. I forgot it. And uh, I'm not sure how they made it work, but so where was I? We were we were worshiping with just a handful of Christians in a remote community up in the mountains. And it was a stone building, just, uh, it was not big. But the windows were arches, but there was no windows in them. And it was, for some reason, they liked early services. So it was not a whole lot after the sun had started to rise. And the mist was all over, and it was cold. And we struggled through a few songs, and I started preaching, and I had my notes, and uh, I don't remember how many points I had intended to communicate, but I got done about halfway through, and I said, I think you all have heard enough, because there they were huddling like this. They were looking for blankets. And everybody thanked me for my wonderful short sermon. <laughs> So, (laughs) this morning I would like to take us um, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Because in this section that God has given to us in his word, we find that there's some concentrated teaching by the Lord Jesus in the area of prayer. So this is a good place for us to settle our thoughts and to draw our minds and attention to. A few weeks back, we got word that a dear friend in Zimbabwe had gone to be with the Lord suddenly. Suddenly. way too young to go suddenly to the Lord, at least as far as we were concerned. He uh, uh, He was an anesthetist in a land that had precious few anesthetists. In fact, he was one who had helped Barb Mealy when she had emergency surgery across the ocean. He was the one who met with her and prayed with her before taking her into surgery he was a man of God he was he was an important member of the medical community and he had a sense of God's mission in his life so we get word that he has died suddenly and it was sudden and his wife had found him he had collapsed at home called an ambulance, and as she was riding to the hospital with him, she said, I prayed with him. The prayer that came was our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where the Spirit of the Lord took her. In this moment, of she's losing her husband. And this prayer that we're going to look at today, the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, is a prayer that has, friends, this is a treasure that the Lord has given us. And we're going to walk through it a little bit together this morning. But before we do, Let's read that chapter, at least the first part of it, Matthew chapter 6. I'll start at verse 5. Before that, he's talking about taking care and how you practice righteousness before others. And here in verse 5, he starts And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you." So Jesus is going to give some very clear instruction on prayer, and he starts with two areas of concern, warning, caution, be careful. The first is, as he said, don't be like the hypocrites who pray so that they might be seen and praised for their piety. You see, prayer is a transaction between us and the Lord. It is well done in secret places where attention is not drawn to us. The next thing he says as we continue When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this, and then he gives us the Lord's Prayer. So, he's gonna teach us how to pray But he says, be careful that you don't pray, calling attention to yourself so that you might be seen by others, recognized as pious or religious or whatever. Pray in secret. Your Father will will reward you you in secret. He will answer your prayers. You don't need to be at a street corner, you don't need to be in front of a church, you don't need to be the the loud voice in in a community of praying. But then, when you pray, be careful of the other inclination. Be careful not to think that in many words God is somehow impressed. It is not the number of words we have people that, that, that we work among who think that it's the longer that you pray that it's the most powerful and spiritual and influential and impacting prayer. Now, if it reflects a yearning and a holding on to the Lord in desperation, Lord, hear us, that's one thing. But it's not in the many words that God chooses to answer our prayers or in the flowery flow of it. You see, he says, don't be like them for your father. Your father knows what you need before you ask. Two areas that we need to be careful of when we come to pray. The Lord says, be careful that you don't pray with hypocrisy. You don't pray to be seen by yourself rather than to be heard by the Lord. And then don't think that many words, don't think that the words themselves somehow manipulate God and make him respond. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then he says, pray like this. Now the Luke parallel passage says pray this way. So pray like this, he's gonna give us a model prayer. This is how praying can, can be. This is how it should be. These are concerns that ought to play into our prayers. Luke seemed to indicate pray these words like this is a a package that we can we can we can use this is our prayer pray like this so let me read these very familiar words our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. We all know it. In fact, today in many countries of the world school children start their day by reciting the Lord's Prayer whether they are believers or not it's been incorporated as part of there's a value here so it's a very familiar prayer but I fear that oftentimes it is prayed much the way that the Lord warned us against thinking that there is a vain repetition without the heart engagement so what I would like to do this morning with this prayer I'd like to just suggest that there is a way of outlining this that I have found helpful. Now, if we are talking to somebody who knows nothing about the Bible, there's, there's a way that is helpful in helping them see a bigger picture. So we say, well, you, you need to understand when it comes to the Bible, there's, there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. The one is before Christ, the one is after Christ. And there are so many books, and there's different kinds of books. There's books of history and prophets and poetry, and there's books of historical account of Christ and letters. So there's value in an outline. It helps us sift and, 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 and order things. I think there's value in an outline like this when we come to the Lord's Prayer. Hear me, follow along. How does he start? He starts with an invocation. He helps us understand who we are praying to, our Father in heaven. But what follows are six requests, six petitions. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you notice anything about those three requests? They are all God-focused. You see that? And then he gets down, and it's, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Deliver us from evil. And what do we find there about those three? They are different because they are man-focused. They're focused on us. And so, following the invocation, God-centered petitions where we are talking to the Father about the Father, and then the man centered petitions which follow talking to the father about the family are you following me all right so let's just just touch on some of these things our father in heaven our father in heaven Jesus knows that our prayers need to be directed to our Father. Now, where we live and work in, in, in Zimbabwe, oftentimes the prayers are offered to the ancestral spirits. In some places, the prayers are offered to idols. I, we remember being in, in Thailand and... And, 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 and going along the waterways, and here are these houses where they're, they're I, I, I don't recall what the name was, but they were places where the gods of the household were placed, and every day the resident from the house would come out and would spoon food into the little holes and nooks and crannies of it. And you know, you can only imagine what a mess it turns into. But the prayers are directed there. Jesus says, when you pray, pray to our Father. Now, our Father, do you get that? Speaks of an intimate relationship, a dynamic between a child and a parent. That is what we are called to enter into a conversation between the interaction between father and child when we are called to pray. Now, that's mind-boggling that the God who, in a world, created this, in in a word, created this universe has seen fit to let you and me identify him and call to him and come to him as a child to father. That's a wonderful thing. And when we pray, we ought to understand that this is a marvel, that the Creator, that the Lord of all, that the King of all glory should allow us this privilege. But where there is a father, there is also a child, right? Now, who is the child of God? Now, some people will say, well, if God created mankind, then all men are his children. Now, there's a sense in which that's true, because all men, good or bad, righteous or unrighteous, in some way bear the, bear the image of God himself and have some, some value that transcends the value of the beasts of the field. Do you remember John chapter 1? Where we are being introduced to the word that became flesh and dwelt among us and how we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. And the true light gives light to everyone was coming into the world and he was in the world and the world was made through him and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, this is Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we embrace Christ in faith and receive his salvation and his grace through his work on our behalf, he grants us the privilege child of God and we are the ones who are invited to pray to the Heavenly Father in heaven our Father another thing if we are a child of God what does that mean with regard to us I'm a son of God through faith in Christ I have been adopted into him to his family friends Everyone who has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a child of God. Therefore, he is my brother and my sister. you believe that? It doesn't matter what church you belong to if there is faith in the right place. It doesn't matter... What profession you're in, what language you speak, where you live, where you are on the status, social status role, it doesn't matter. Our father is our father. We are his child. We are brothers and sisters, and we ought to understand that we are called to live and to and to yield glory and honor and respect to our father as a child should and we are to love one another, and care for one another. You'll see as we carry on that much of the prayer is not my prayer, it's our prayer. So, looking very briefly at these God-centered petitions which follow, where we talk to the Father about the Father, hallowed be thy name what is hallowed? we don't use that word very much It's to make holy it's to set apart for glory it is to to understand to be special and above glorious honored so Jesus says when you pray let your concern and your prayer be towards this thing that God our Father would be glorified, that he would be honored, that he would be celebrated in his majesty. The truth is, there's nothing that you or I are going to do Or pray that's going to change who God is. God is the king of glory. And nothing's going to change that. But as Jesus teaches us to pray, he's saying, let your prayer be directed to this marvel and desire in your heart and pray towards God in all of it. In everything, let your name be lifted up. Let it be magnified. And so, as we go later on and start asking for things that in in our sphere of need, it is with this as the background that God's glory is preeminent. And we often make the mistake of entering into prayer before God with our needs and our desires being that which is consuming and preeminent. God's name should be hallowed. God's kingdom should come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom. He used parables often. Remember he spoke about the mustard seed, that small seed which put in the garden grows up and becomes a tree and even the birds come in put their nests in it. There's there's an image of something that grows and and makes a difference all around and provides what is needed for, for all kinds of things. The kingdom is like leaven in a widow's lump of dough. She tucks that leaven in, and after some time, what happens? That leaven, that yeast, leavens the whole lump. The kingdom is growing to the benefit of many. The kingdom is is a marvel. The kingdom is a treasure. The kingdom is at work, even when it's not seen. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added so when Jesus says pray thy kingdom come he is calling us to a kingdom awareness a king kingdom has a king a kingdom is a realm of where where there is there is a king who who reigns who rules it's an awareness that we as we seek his kingdom To come. It is both for us to delight in being a citizen of his kingdom, loving his ways, walking in them, being part of what he is doing. But there is also the awareness that God is working a plan that far exceeds our ability to understand and know. God is at work and he is building a church, he is building a kingdom, and one day the kingdom where he is king and lord will be be on a whole other level in terms of our experience. But until then, he teaches us, pray thy kingdom come. Pray as a citizen of his kingdom. Pray recognizing his lordship in our life. Pray desiring that his kingdom be spread, that men and women and children and nations across this world would embrace Jesus as Lord. That ought to be part of our mindset and heart set and and, and voiced desire as we come to our Father in prayer. Then he says, pray thy will be done. Again, Thy will be done. We know that God is at work. That God's ways are not our ways. That, 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 that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And praise God, he is working his purposes out and he is not simply driven by what we think is the best, best thing in this in, in, instance. We look at Ukraine. Dear people, what's happening in Ukraine? It's a dreadful dreadful thing do we understand it do we have the answers to it all but as we pray for our brothers and sisters believing brothers and sisters and and and, and those who don't know the lord alike as we pray for them we can pray for them with this understanding Lord, we would love to see this stop. We would love to see everything work out just beautifully. But we pray with this understanding, God, (laughs) your will be done, please. It's better that your will be done than you simply do what my poor mind would see as a resolution for this. In our personal lives, is it not true that oftentimes we have our hearts set on something, an outcome in a particular situation, or a need, or or a yearning for somebody else's help? And we are invited to intercede and to pray, and to pray earnestly, and God marvelously often chooses to respond according to our prayers. But dear friends, we need to be praying with an attitude and understanding that God, our Heavenly Father, knows what is best, and has purposes in mind of which he does not always reveal to us. And we submit and can we we rest in that assurance. Lord, may your will be done, please. Lord, let your will be done. So then we look briefly at the man-centered petitions, talking to the father about the family for daily provision of bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus recognizes that we have needs, needs that are real, needs that are earthly, that are day-to-day. In fact Jesus through his miracles and his teaching often addressed the needs of those around him But he taught us to pray give us this day our daily bread is if God gives us what is needed today whether it's food or lodging, or other needs that we encounter. If God gives us what we need today, is that enough? Are we satisfied with that? He doesn't teach us pray that our barns would be filled to overflowing, that we would be the big people on the block, Now, sometimes he does that. But he teaches us very clearly, pray like this, our Father in heaven, give us today what we need. Everything that we need, and we recognize all good things come from you, and all our needs can be satisfied in you and by you. That's a blessed place to be, friends. And then he says, pardon our sins. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Friends, the Lord Jesus understood that it's not simply the needs of the day, food, jobs, health issues. It's not not simply those things that we need. The truth is we need to be keeping before him our hearts desiring his forgiving work in our lives. And recognizing that tied in with that is a willingness and a desire to be an agent of forgiveness in the lives of others. Jesus teaches us, pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We sure know what it feels like when someone sins against us and that forgiveness is often a real challenge but friends we need to be aware and alert and and this this ought to be a ready part a regular part of our prayer to our Heavenly Father Lord you know that I need forgiveness in my life forgive my sins Lord Forgive my indifference to you. Forgive my outbursts of anger. Forgive my corrupt heart. Forgive me, Heavenly Father, for a bad relationship with... Lord, I need your forgiving work in my life. And then he says, protection from temptation and the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil It's not that God tempts us, seducing us to do that which is wrong and evil. But in this life and in this world, every experience represents a pleasure or a pain. And that same pleasure can be a test of our faith in the Lord, or it can lead us into an idolizing of the pleasure, where the pleasure takes preeminence over our Lord. Pains, every pain that we have, every experience, testing, whatever kind it is, it represents a testing, to demonstrate and confirm our faith in the Lord. Or it can, depending on how we respond, become a temptation toward sin. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray to your father, desire his glory and pray toward that. Desire his kingdom to come and to be expanded. Desire his will to be done and to be worked out according to his purposes. He invites us to pray for our daily needs. He invites us, calls us, to pray for forgiveness of our sins because he's the one who can forgive our sins. And he calls on us to look to him for help in this familiar area of temptation and testing. And I don't know about you, but I find in the morning if I've got an ache in my back, I don't, I I very quickly am able to pray about that ache in my back. Or if somebody I love is uh, in, in particular need, I'm not so quick and consistent in recognizing that part of the balance of concern that Jesus instructs us here is to include concern for forgiveness of sins, (laughs) keeping that fellowship with the Lord right, confessing our sins, knowing that he will forgive us our sins and fellowship will be restored. But he also helps us to recognize that we today this Lord's day, need his help when it comes to temptation and trials in life. Do you believe that? And yet we're often so slow to get there. We turn to the Lord after we've fallen. We turn to the Lord after we are desperate. And that's okay. But how much better to incorporate this desire for God's help and protection every day. Have you noticed, he says, lead us not into temptation? Are you praying for your brother and sister? Are you praying for the church? He says, give us this day our daily bread. It's not simply our needs that ought to concern us, it's, a, it's the needs of the family. Forgive us our sins as we forgive So there's both an individual role in this and there's a community role. Anyway, I've gone on too long. We're blessed to have a father who knows what we need before we say it. We don't need to... We don't need to understand everything that we need and voice it, though sometimes we're able to do that. We come to our Father, he knows what we need before we know it ourselves. And let's make sure that our heart in our prayers and our focus and our desires are well and truly fastened to concern for his name, for his kingdom, for his will. And once that's the truth the requests for our needs for our forgiveness for our help and temptation finds a proper place. God bless you. Thank you.